I'm not funny on the spot. I'm situationally funny. Yeah, I'm, well, situa is the situation never? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm funny, but like in a way that like I, you just can't. Funny can't looking. Plan it. Wow, good one. What is this fucking kindergarten, dude? Second grade. No, I was like, I was at like a fucking Christmas party. Obviously over Christmas. Really? Yeah. Weird. And it was like just, I was in a room with a bunch of people I didn't know. And we were like eating dinner or something like that. And this one lady was just going on and on and on about like Hitler. Because, you know, that's a Christmas party talk. And she like just mentioned something about Hitler and like how he like hired botanists to like change the grain structure. Apparently changed the structure of grain that when they made bread, it was like harder for people to digest or something like that. And like the second that she ended, I without skipping a beat, just was like, oh, god damn it. Right when I thought fucking Hitler had something going for him, he had to go fuck with the grains. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I'm like, this this event that I am far, far underdressed for. Like, I'm the scumbag in the room. And then I just 100% confirmed it with a Hitler joke and just crickets fell over the room. And I'm over there like, that was a good joke. Why are you fucking That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> and everybody's just like, oh, oh, well, oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's a Hitler joke. Get over it. What is up, you simpletons? Welcome back to another episode of the Fetch and Shock podcast. I am your host, the high roll to see who goes first, Tyler. And joining me, as always, is odds and evens to see who goes first, Matt. Matt, what is up, my dude? I'm going to end this right now. Odds even is the best way to do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is, I wanted this to be a conversation, too. I don't think it matters. People have lost their goddamn minds over this. It really doesn't matter, but it's just the it is the quickest way to do it. And it is still uh, random. Yeah, but like I don't also it takes 15 seconds. Not wrong. So like that 15 seconds, I'm not going to be wasting any time. Like it takes less time to do that than anything else. And I'm already going to be waiting at the end of the round anyway for, like, people to finish matches and stuff. So, like, whatever time you're taking up in between the start of that match and the end of that match isn't really a factor. No, you're not wrong. Like, do you think there's ever been a situation where somebody was just like, oh, they, like, they get a draw in turns. And they're like, man, if we would have just done odds and evens at the beginning of this fucking match, I would be able to win with that 13 extra seconds that I would have had. Yeah, that's definitely not how it works. Yeah, so it doesn't actually matter. No. Yeah, so, but, like, if there's anything we've learned, it's that fucking Magic Twitter loves their fucking Discord about dumb shit. You are not wrong. No, complaining is fun, turns out. Turns out complaining is real fun, and just bitching about everything in general. Yeah, complaining's great. Like, if you it, like if you can't change something, you sure as fucking complain about it. You can complain and complain and complain forever. Oh, hell yeah. The Fetch and Shock Complaining Podcast. Isn't that just, like, what we are, just in general? <laughs> pretty close to it yeah i mean all we isn't every single podcast is just everybody complaining about something yes well speaking of things to complain about uh the past two weeks we were like we were the fetch and shock pioneer podcast i would say go so far as to say that we were the pioneers of pioneer Ooh, the pioneers of pioneer that's what now that's our new name we're changing the name of the podcast we're doing a rebrand there's already a pioneer podcast well uh they're going to have to change their name because that's us. Sure. We had it first. Dibs. Dibs. Didn't call dibs. But yeah, anyway, so Pioneer, um, it had its a, a nice, another little weekend in the sun for this past Players Tour. It's I'm still not used to calling it a Players Tour. It's still Weird. a pro tour in my mind. 
Yeah, I just say PT generally because then I don't fuck it up. Yeah, so the PT was this weekend, and again, it was the American one. This one was also Pioneer, and again, there was a a good amount of combo at this one. There was quite a bit of combo at that one. And the combos in question were the Breach combo, the Underworld Breach. Who'd have thought that Underworld Breach was the card that we would be talking about in Pioneer? Us. Yeah, weird, right? How we thought that that card was really good. Yeah, it just took a bit. But yeah, so that was one of the big hot button topics. And also the Demir Inverter combo, which we have talked about in length for the past multiple episodes. That one came out in full effect as well. So much so that that was the finals of the the PT. Yeah, people were just constantly bitching about it. It's very strong, but yeah, but it's it's very good. It's not unbeatable, and people just need to fucking deal with it. Like, figure out a way to beat it. It's not impossible to beat, or else it would be literally everything in the top eight and winning every tournament, and it's not doing that. Well, and that was the big, like, argument at least for the early parts, like the weekend and then early parts of the week, at least Monday, was, well, what, what, how do we fix this? What, how do we fix this huge problem that we have? And I don't genuinely think we have a huge problem. And that was the two sides of the fence, which luck, I mean, we are both on the same side of the fence, at least with this argument, uh, that I don't think there's a big issue, but there were people screaming from the fucking mountaintop that ban hammer needs to come down. Yeah, and it just doesn't. Uh, it really doesn't. In, and I agree, at least Actually, at this point. Actually, I lied. Dig can get banned. I would. I don't think anyone would be upset if we saw Dig go. Yeah, sure. Dig through time, I could see get, getting banned eventually. And but I am the person is, who, from the get-go, was like, it's not strong enough to get banned. Like, it's not doing anything. Now it is. Now you're, th- now, now you're on board with it being. Well, yeah, because before, it wasn't overpowered. No, it wasn't the issue that it is, at least in, this, in the inverter deck. Because the inverter deck is really the one that's kind of came through in a lot of different ways yes but yeah so everybody's just calling for bands and blah 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 and then there's also people being like no no worries about bands um and i guess that's just the culture of magic now is that we like the problems i don't even think it's a people just genuinely thinking things need to be banned but just we've had so many cards that were actually ban worthy happen in the past like 12 months that now every time that something happens and it like wins a tournament or it seems very good. People just think it automatically just needs automatically banned. go to that. Exactly. Yeah. They just automatically go to that mindset of, oh, it needs banned because like nobody's saying that Oko shouldn't have been banned. Nobody's saying that Hogak shouldn't have been banned. So then when we see a card just kind of dominate in even kind of even a like half of the way that those cards did, everybody's just like, oh, well. It's it's the next Hogak. It's the next Oko. We need to get rid of it. Like burn yeah, it with and fire. We really don't. That's the thing. Well, and the, there is a sliding scale of power level. It's it's not black and white. It's like this just massive gray area of power levels of cards. And at the farthest end of that are like the Okos and the Hogaks of the world. There's like really nothing in this deck, the inverter deck, that I see as being in that realm of power. No, sure. I would agree with you. When you put the pieces together, sure, this deck is a has a lot of power, but none of the cards by themselves in a vacuum are of a raw power level. Besides, maybe like you said, dig through time. I think dig through time is the the only one. Yeah, that is super powerful. Like, because if you just like read the cards, Thassa's Oracle isn't overtly powerful just reading the card. Jace Wilder of Mysteries not overtly powerful just reading the card. Inverter of Truth same scenario, not overtly powerful when you read the card. It just happens that when you put 
inverter and any of those other two cards together, that is a game-winning strategy. Yeah, it's uh, the perfect storm, if you will. Mm -hmm. But when you like, but when you pull up the card, dig through time, and you look at that card, you read it, you're like, oh, this card is in a vacuum, very fucking good. Yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah, and I mean, I guess argument could say that Hogak in a vacuum, not incredible, but the amount of enablers, I guess, in the format made it so. No, Hogak was an issue. Yeah, but like the, I guess when you make the card free. Like, when you just say, oh, this is zero mana cost, which in that deck, it was actual factual zero mana, or netted you, at least, like, quote-unquote mana. That was a problem. But with no contacts, Hogak isn't the best card you've ever seen. Definitely not the best card, but definitely when you have a free creature that just slots into decks where you want some stuff like that in your graveyard anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just fits what the deck wants to do and then does everything that the deck wanted to do better. Yes. It was the perfect card and then some. Yeah, 100%. I think, and so we're both on the, the page of, um, there's no, doesn't need to be banned quite yet. I do think Dig Through Time will at some point see a banning, but I think that's going to be like weeks, possibly months down the road. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do what they should do and ban that and see, let it shake out. But, like we said, complaining, out of this fucking world, fun. The big thing that people were really salty about, and that was you and me included, because I know Monday you and me were firing text messages back and forth while you were at work uh we just like didn't get any concrete notification that something was going to happen or something wasn't going to happen and that is where the problem lies yeah that was infuriating yeah like wizards get your shit together and <laughs> i guess to be fair to, to be, be fair, fair. <laughs> at four o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon at least eastern standard time uh they did get their shit together and they did release uh they, they sent out a tweet that said there were not going to be any banned and restricted announcements for that day and that in the future they would give us an update, an announcement for the announcement. Which is uh, hilarious. Yeah, because that's what we needed. But, I mean, that's what they were doing originally. And then they said, oh, we're not going to be announcing this. We're just going to be banning something when we feel the need to. And then a time came around, which we knew was inevitable, that something needed banned or people perceived that something needed banned and then we were left in the dark like hours after it was six hours after they are typically releasing bands and i know the pioneer bands have kind of gone back and forth on when exactly they come out but typically it's 11 o'clock eastern standard time when we receive our bands announcement yeah not four o'clock not four o'clock so everybody's just kind of sitting there with their thumbs in their asses for hours just being like oh well is my deck obsolete or is like this format playable and no one fucking knew which was the worst part yeah so now we're back on the uh hey we're gonna give you an announcement that something's gonna be happening uh so prepare yeah it's super weird like hey um we're gonna give you an announcement we don't know when but it's gonna happen and my thing is like just go back to like how hard is it that every single monday at 11 o'clock regardless of whether every format is healthy everything's hunky-dory, or the fucking sky is literally falling. Every Monday, 11 o'clock, send out the fucking announcement saying there are no bans or here is what banned. Here is what is banned or restricted in whatever format. Just do that every Monday. And then you don't have to fuck around with this like announcement for an announcement or have this big confusion where people are just like, I don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And people are freaking the fuck out. You are a large enough company, Wizards, that you have the ability and you have the staff 
you have the brain power and the manpower to be able to do that. Take the five minutes and just fucking do it. You would think. And like, that's it's just like, that seems like such a no brainer for me. Cause then it just stops them from having any issues in the future with people like just screaming from again, the mountaintops. It just covers their ass so efficiently and stops them from having to go back on the, well, maybe not an announcement every week, blah, blah, blah. Just make that a regular thing for every format. And then people are not going to be complaining that like, oh, we don't know when the band's coming because it's on the same fucking time every Monday. It's it's always going to happen. Yeah. And then it's just a set schedule. Yeah. How simple. Not that that hard. Yeah. Very. And super convenient. And when everything is fucking hunky dory, they send out that fucking message on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, saying that, oh, everything is kosher. Nothing's banned. And then everybody just overlooks it and it's fine. And it wasted some person making like a middling salary again five minutes of their fucking day to send that out or an intern be like hey post this to social media yeah some fucking indentured servant that they have working as a fucking intern it yeah just they're you're not paying them (laughs) they're just like doing their job actually there's not very many free internships anymore i'm sure wizards probably gets free interns because there's probably enough college students in that region who know about magic who would want to work for that company just to say that they they worked for wizards of the coast or get their foot in the door yeah, exactly. Like that that's definitely a free internship at that place for sure. Yeah. That's true. I'll give you that one. Yeah, so just take their little intern slave and in between his runs for cappuccinos for the staff, have him send out the fucking tweet that says, "Here's the banner restricted now announcement. It's nothing." And you're done. Yeah, and it's going to get like 3 likes on Twitter and people are just going to move on with their day. Boom, done. Easy. Wizards, hire me. I'm currently jobless. <laughs> hire me. I will fix your entire organization top to bottom. Everything is will be perfect. That's a bold claim. I mean, at very least, we'll get banned and restricted announcements every Monday. And then True. everybody out there will be happy. I can ensure happiness. No, because no matter what, someone will bitch about it. Oh, yeah. People love complaining. You're right. Yeah. Is that just going to be the name of this episode? People love Pe- complaining. People love complaining. Gotta love that shit. I love that people love complaining. Seems like a, a good good name for it. The American pastime. Move over baseball. Complaining. Yeah. Bitching. <laughs> Not even complaining, just bitching about stuff that, like, does it really matter? Yes. How would I know that Inverter uh, in the in a deck that I don't play is still in Pioneer? Fair. People will just bitch. There you go. I guess you got it. You did it. I you figured found it out. a way. I figured it out. <laughs> I don't even, I like, I haven't even actually dug into Pioneer yet, even though that's what we said that we were going to do. I have not played a actual factual game of Pioneer yet. Not a single one, huh? No, I've been just too hooked on Theros Limited, dude. I love Theros Limited. I Drafting Theros is one of my favorite things I've done in Magic in a very long time. I really drafted only twice. Oh, I've fired off like at least a draft or two a night on Magic Arena. Yeah, I guess that's a thing. I should probably get into that. It's just so easy, dude. The one thing about Arena, as far as Theros Limited, that I don't like, and I'm sure any of our listeners who play Arena who do drafts can attest to uh the bots for theros are not quite up to par with what human beings are doing at this point that literally happens in every set um you but usually they get it figured out at some point and a early on like especially for war of the spark early on for war of the spark uh grixis was like the only thing that anybody ever wanted to do because the bots prioritized very good cards very low for some reason but by the end things started to get figured out and that format was as close to an analog for real life as it could be. But the right now, like that three, one 
uh, for one in a red, the unearth creature. Uh, that card. Oh, I know what you're talking about. That card must attack around, each like, turn. Last pick. Yeah, that's exactly the. One. That card's coming around like last pick and backs, which yeah, never because, should happen in a million. Yeah, definitely not. It's just a really good red two drop that's aggressive, which is where red one. Yeah, there's like bullshit. Like or they want playable the four power or more getting taken before. It's the wild west. But like, like all in all, no complaints about the arena draft so far. Like they're quick, they're easy. Um. Every so often you'll bump into a deck that's just like, oh, well, I don't know how this person got this deck, but it's insane. Like three fucking uh, Dream Trawlers. Oh my goodness. I have not got to play against that deck, but I, I will woe the day that I did. You just um, won't win. They'll just smash you. Well, I just like, I played against an opponent. I was earlier this week. I don't remember what day it was, but they just went like, turn one, land, go. I'm like, okay, this is a normal draft. And then they went turn two, like rare, turn three, rare. Turn four, rare. And I'm like, turn five, uncommon, uncommon. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm playing against a constructed deck. Somehow a I'm standard dead. deck snuck into this limited league and uh, I'm getting my teeth kicked in. They had the, like, on curve, they had the uh, white, white, red, red, six one that, like, the true name nemesis kind of thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Things good. They Real had good. that on turn four and they hit four with it and. I have literally nothing in my deck that could possibly deal with that at four. No, you're just dead in three turns. Not even close. I'm just like, oh, God, I am so dead. And then the next turn, they're just like, "Uh, I'm going to enchant this and then also enchant this and kill you. I'm like, oh, cool. This is will happen. Yeah, Limited always needed a true name nemesis. I don't think it's quite true name nemesis. In Um, Limited, it is for sure. Yeah, there are definitely some times where you have, like, all two drops or something, and it's, like, two, and it's, like, well, fuck. Mm-hmm. That but does happen. There... Well, if that doesn't happen, lose. Oh, yeah, like like in the scenario that I was in, I was like, oh, I hit four. Or he the, my opponent hit four, and I had nothing to deal with it. So I'm just like, oh, well, uh, this was this is a fun first three turns of this game that I had, uh, but now it's over. Also, in red-white, there's a fair bit of removal. So even if they do hit like a four and you have a four drop or a three and you have a three drop, they generally remove it. Oh, goodness. Yeah, they just clear the way. Just put like Heliod's Punishment on it or like one of the fucking a million burn spells. Yeah. And then just, oh, here, taste six one. Yep. Feels good. Feels really good. Definitely loved that. Well, Matt, do you know what they actually are going to be drafting Theros Limited in? The PT. Or It's not the Pro Tour, dude. It's Worlds. Oh, yeah. Worlds. Why do I think PT? Because we were just talking about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% why. Yeah, the World Championship of Magic is here. This used to be my favorite tournament ever to watch. Well, yes and no. Yes, because it's always fun to watch. But then no, because it doesn't mean Jack diddly shit for metagames, like professional metagames. Oh, see, but that's like one of the reasons why I loved it so much is because it's such a small tournament that like the best players in the world can just be like, oh, well, what is he? What, what do I think this person's going to be playing? What do I think the best deck is? How can I beat that and still beat, like, the second best deck? Yeah, well, they can also just, like, metagame against, like, the field themselves. Because, like, even if the best deck is, like, the X deck, but there is, like, 50% of the meta is known control players, they can metagame against, like, the control players and not the best deck. And, like, sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. Like, the head games that can be played in this tournament are out of this fucking 
Yeah, like, is Nassif going to play a control deck? Is he going to play something aggro? Is he going to play... Yeah, it's just, like, so cool. I fucking love War. But this year is less exciting for me, uh, because we don't get to see Paper Magic, and I just love, like, Paper Magic tournaments. Yeah, you and I both. It's less fun when you're just sitting watching people play on a computer, even though you're generally sitting on a computer or phone and watching. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, too... The irony of that. uh, No, there's definitely... We are we are of a different class of magic consumer, I think. Who's Not we, saying you and I? Yes. Like compared to what this this new tournament structure is geared to. Like you and I are in the same class. Yeah, we'd I'd prefer to see paper. Yes. And actually, like I I love vintage, obviously my favorite format. I'd rather watch it in person than I would even on screen. Oh, I agree with that for sure. But the, this the structure of this tournament, I think that's just the structure of professional magic moving forward is going to be geared towards the people who have started playing Magic in the past, like, two years. Just, I mean, it's it's a change, and it's just something we're going to have to get used to, but I think that's just where Magic's going. And I'm sure at some point I'm going to get used to watching, like, coverage on Magic Arena. Or I won't, and I'll just stop watching coverage. But there's going to be enough people that are watching Arena to make up for it, I'm assuming. I can see it for standard. That's cool. Um, and, like, but limited, though? Like, it's so cool to, like, actually watch people draft and... Because when you're paper drafting, you're not allowed to look at your picks in between, like, during the pack. Yeah, at least in the the high-level competitive magic that the World Championship is in. Yeah. Like, you get a review period in between packs, but during the draft, you you cannot look at your picks. Yeah, like, you have to remember where your curve's at, the creatures. Hey, did I take this, the second one of these already, or did I, like, how do I maneuver there which if you're at that level you generally just yeah you're just remember. like your brain is just like uh, just on point with stuff like that because you almost have to be to be playing at that level but i mean speaking of drafts the way that the worlds is set up i'm glad that they didn't change this because i initially when they announced that it was going to be on arena i was worried that we're going to lose this aspect but they are playing theros limited at this at this world championship yes and they actually did get to draft against each other and not bots yeah so there are 16 players at world so they did two pods of eight and they did they already did their drafts they did their drafts today world's champ worlds doesn't start until when you when y'all are listening it'll be today that they'll be starting yeah which is friday yeah so they did their drafts the thursday night and are going to be playing on friday which is wild to me because i guess people need time to or whatever an indentured uh slave uh (laughs) intern has to import all of the draft pools into arena because they're just hilarious to they're me. playing the games on arena they drafted in paper and are playing the games on arena it's just really funny mm-hmm. yeah that's like that's where it seems like wizards is one step ahead of themselves as far as like oh here's our ideal environment for what we want competitive play to be uh but our technology has not cut up to that it's super funny <laughs> i love it <laughs> So they're gonna. So they drafted already. The decks are going to be imported into Arena, and they're gonna play their games on Arena. My only hope is that they recorded. Please, for the love of God, they recorded at least some players drafting. Yeah, and let us watch. Oh my God, that's all I've ever wanted. I just want to watch some some professional draft, especially because I'm actually enjoying this format. If it's a format I hate, I could give a shit less whether I watch them draft or not because I don't actually give a shit. But this format is so sweet. 
I want to watch my favorite players draft. Like I want to watch Seth Manfield over his shoulder and see what he's picking. I want to watch Andrea Mangucci over his shoulder and see what he's playing. Oh, hundred percent. And like Marcio Carvalho, he's like one of the greatest limited players ever. I want to watch him draft. Yeah, to see. I always like seeing when they like hop ship on a color color pairing and move to something open. It's always yeah. like, oh, he's doing that. Well, the now. cool part about that is too that when you're drafting, you get to, or when you're watching somebody draft, you get to see the pack, you get to see what's in it, and then you yourself can make your own decision and then see where that person his their decisions delineate from yours. Yeah, that's also really cool. It's like, oh, I wouldn't have done that yet, or oh, I was just thinking that. Like exactly. Like that adds like a very human aspect of competitive magic. I think far more so than watching games. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Because what, like, like I mean, when you're watching people play a game, there's so much context that it's hard to put yourself in that person's mind and being like, oh, why are they making this decision? If it's an obvious one, then yeah. Or if it's an obvious mistake, you can be like, yeah, that's obvious. But there, there are a lot of times, especially in these high these high level tournaments where there's just like the top pros in the world facing against each other where there is a lot going on and I can't put together exactly what that person's thinking facing that particular opponent with all of the things that have happened in that game. Drafting is just so ingrained in like a, like a magic player's mind. And it's so simple that you can be like, Oh, I follow exactly the path that they're following. Oh, I agree with this pick. Oh, this is what I would have done differently. This is why they're better than I am. This is why I'm trash. Like, that yeah, is... like there, there is a reason that they are some of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. And not saying that you can't become a better magic player from watching actual games of magic. Cause you obviously can like the more that you play magic and the more that you consume magic, obviously the more you're going to learn about the game. But I feel like watching these players draft is the simplest way to just level up your game. And then think to yourself, why did they do that now? Exactly. And it'd have been like, oh, well, they've noticed that blue has been open or this color has been open. Like they got the fifth pick this and that's not common. Mm -hmm. There's a lot less context in draft than there is in a game of magic. So you can learn a lot more about how to draft properly or how to just draft better by watching a high level pro draft. Yeah, I would agree with that. Hell yeah. And like, so that's why I want them to show these videos. I mean, at this point, you'll know whether they recorded these videos or not, assuming that you're watching the the, the coverage. Um, all of this conversation could be for naught because they could have just like not recorded it and we're just going to look like assholes. I have a feeling that they would have. It would be weird if they didn't, right? God, I fucking hope that they did. At this point, we don't have any information whether they did or not, True. which scares me. Because <laughs> again, it's scary. wizards. Wizards, again, hire me wizard and i will tell you to film this stuff also i will let you know that you need to release ban restricted announcements every monday it's just easy money for you guys just giving me this fucking job it's easy money super easy would you take an internship for free hell no <laughs> <laughs> no fucking bitch give me my money <laughs> making that cheddar but like if they offered me like like 12 bucks an hour i'd probably take it <laughs> If they're like, hey, we'll give you three bucks or two packs every hour, would you take it? Two packs every hour? What set, though? A set that's currently in print. Oh. Well, if I hang around and wait until they're they're putting, like, a master set in print, maybe that's worth it. Uh, supplemental products like that are not. Standard legal oh, sets. God damn it. 
Oh, see, that's something. Wizards, make me an offer. <laughs> yeah. Let, let, open up that dialogue. Yeah, come on. Just shoot me an offer. I'll shoot you a counter offer. We'll meet somewhere in the middle. Uh, we can, we can, we can, we can come to an agreement. We what? will figure it out. I would say Wizards seems like smart people, but like they don't. So <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. They'd be like, we'll give you a pack, a pack every 45 minutes. I'll give them the fucking fist in their fucking butthole every three seconds. You would actually make more packs that way, bud. No, you wouldn't. I'm an idiot. Math hard say, sometimes. Not even close. <laughs> Definitely was testy. Math is for blockers. Not negotiating internships. No, not negotiating. As a close to 30 year old. <laughs> Listen. It's hard to get smarter. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's not true. <laughs> well, I mean, you kind of just proved it. Fair. <laughs> God damn it. Well, you know where you can probably use your blocker math in? Standard. That was a bit of a reach. That was a real big reach. There's no blocker in standard. I mean, that's not true. Um, You could be playing mono red like 25% of the meta is. Now that, my friend, is a transition. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a... Uh... That's a good one. That's my redemption arc. You got that one. So we actually have the information for the metagame breakdown. Um, and like I just said, 25% of this meta is playing mono red aggro. So for those of you who don't know, uh, world, the world championship um, is broken up into uh, standard and then draft of Theros. So they're going to do a round of Theros and then uh, I believe five rounds of standard. And because it's 16 players, we have the metagame breakdown that the decks that they submitted 25% of the meta, so four players, are playing Teamer Reclamation. 25% of the meta, four players, are playing uh, Mono Red Aggro. 25% are playing Jeskai Fires. 19% are playing Azorius Control. And a lone one person, 6%, is playing Jun Sacrifice. I love how one person is 6%. Yeah, that's how small this fucking tournament is, dude. It's only the best of the best at Worlds. I love it. You're not but wrong. That is actually a pretty good, like, diverse meta, considering the size of the tournament and how standard has kind of been recently. That's, like, five decks is pretty diverse. It actually is. For 16 people? Yeah. 16 of the best net deckers on the planet, too. Filthy net deckers. Filthy net deckers. That is something, that is a topic that we'll talk about in a little bit, but... <laughs> Friggin' muggles. Yeah, these goddamn mudbloods. Yeah, so our, so this is a... I like this breakdown. I mean, obviously, I'm rooting for uh, Monterey Aggro because attacking with creatures, but also two of the greatest players on the planet, Andrea Mangucci, Seth Manfield, are in that category. So I'm See, all in on that. I think Timur, Timur Reclam Reclamation is busted. Oh, that card is... Or that, that deck is absurd. Especially with the addition of Euro. Yeah, for the fuck of it. Why not? Yeah, and... There is also the fact that we haven't had a standard tournament since the release of Theros. Really? Yeah, we haven't had a large-scale one. Because uh, as far as uh, Magic Fest go, it was Limited, then Pioneer, and then Pioneer. Yeah, I guess so. And SEG was Pioneer, been... Team Pioneer. They had some standard in Pioneer, or some standard in the SCG teams. Ah, uh, see, I can't, you can't lean on that data, though, from that, because, like, for all you know, that uh, the uh, the Pioneer and the modern players of those those teams they could were have just, just rolled everybody in the standard yeah, player a useless turd. That's possible. Yeah, I mean, that's never exactly the case, but there are games where that standard player lost, 
and the other two people won that we are like you can't take into consideration. Yeah, you're not wrong. But we haven't had a very tried and true like full standard event that uh, we uh, can really bank on. Yeah, also true. We've only had teams. We haven't really had just a strictly standard. Yeah, the closest thing to to an actual standard tournament is the Classic in Philly, which was week one of this format, I believe. No, it was week two of this format. And again, it's a classic. I don't know how many people were in it, but like typically those classics don't get very big and they're relatively localized. Yeah, the only people who really travel far for those are the the SCG grinders. Uh Uh-huh. And I mean, this isn't the best heuristic ever, but typically for the classics, you can assume that the the best players in the room are playing day two instead of playing these classics. It's like you can kind of check down at least a little bit on the the just raw skill level of players. Yeah, generally. And like, yeah, like I said, like that's not the best heuristic, but it's one that you can kind of go off of. Well, no, I think that's a good one to go off of. Yeah, it's just like you're going to you're going to gleam more data from a GP top eight or a SCG open top eight than you are from any kind of classic or like a a standard league. If you're looking on Magic Online for for any kind of data. Right. Makes sense. But Matt, are you going to are you going to tune in? Are you going to you're going to be a consumer of Magic the Gathering content this weekend? Um, I don't know. It depends what I have going on, honestly. And that's kind of where I'm at, too. I actually have a fucking exciting weekend coming up. What's that? So I can imagine the world championship is going to probably be playing in the background. But beyond that, I'm going to be playing actual physical Magic the Gathering. Ooh, you're doing it. Yeah, because uh, I hang out with a bunch of Magic players and uh, we're all unlovable. Our Valentine's Day weekend is going to be consumed by us hanging out together and playing a little bit of Popper. Ooh la la. Yeah, we're we're fine. I finally pulled the trigger and bought myself into Popper. Spent the all whole entire thirty dollars and bought some, some seven sweet decks. Popper goodness. Yeah, I bought two decks. And two bought, decks. <laughs> bought the top ten decks. <laughs> Just about Popper is such a sick format, dude. Oh my god, I love it. It's actually really cool. I go back and forth. I just never get to play it. I am so, so stoked for this weekend. But that's actually a pretty sweet transition into the next topic that we wanted to talk about. Um, I was uh, conversing with one of uh, my buddies that I'll be playing Popper with this weekend because uh, he's big on brewing and he loves thinking of new decks and building new decks. And Popper is actually a great place for that because it does have a little bit of card restraint. Uh, obviously being commons, like you can't just be like, oh, this is the most busted rare. I'm going to play this rare. That uh, and besides basic lands, commons are the most common card in Magic the Gathering. That is very true. I would say commons are very common. Yes. See what I did there? <laughs> I love that. Look at you. Are you, am I rubbing off on you? When you say that, it sounds perverted. I'm going to, oh boy, I'm going <laughs> to rub off on you, bud. So let's not say that. <laughs> But yeah, so we're going to play a little bit of Popper. And like there are obviously top decks in Popper. Like Fairies is very good. Affinity is very good. Burn's good. Tron's good. Uh, there's control decks. There's other decks. Um, but generally, like everything is at a pretty low power level. So everybody's on kind of an even keel in Popper. So there leaves a lot of room for brewing. And when I was talking with my buddy uh, Rupert about it, uh, we were talking about like the evolutions of a brew. And I thought, well, fuck. That's a killer idea for me and Matt to talk about because you and me, we don't talk about it a bunch on the podcast because we're just talking about general magic stuff, but we do a very fair amount 
of brewing. Yes. Whether it's like brewing with established archetypes or trying to come up with something uh, new and off the beaten path, we fuck around with cards, good ideas and bad ideas, a lot. So I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of a brew in Magic the Gathering. And this is for every format. This is for Commander, Modern, Standard, Legacy, Vintage, Popper, anything that you could possibly think of that is a constructed format. Uh, we're going to try to cover some bases, at least from our end. Yes, and I got a super fun brew that it started somewhere and now it's elsewhere. And like that's that's like usually the the course of action that it. But I kind of want to start out with talking about like where do brews typically start? So like Matt, where do your brews usually start from? Uh, generally, something I see a card or a set of cards, and I was like, ooh, I wonder if that'll work. Or I'm trying to do something super degenerate generally. And I'm like, how can I make that work? Generally, it's a card, and it's like, can I build around this and do something disgusting with it? Now, can you think of, like, the last card that you thought of that came from that classification of cards? Bullis' Citadel. So, so vintage? Um, no. No? Actually, um, yes for that one. Just because, like, I'm like, oh, this is literally just tinker into this and then play a bunch of free spells and either storm off and kill them or have such a ridiculous amount of card advantage that I just win. Okay, so that's like a lot less of a brew and more of just like, oh, this is super obvious. Like, this is just obvious. This is what we're going to be doing in Vintage for the next forever until some part of this combo. Yeah, I think before that, it was um, probably Narset. Oh, I remember us shooting uh, text back and forth about Narset in Modern. Yes, so it originally started as Narset, and I was like, how can I make my opponent... um, get rid of their hand, and me draw all the cards. And yes. it was Narset, um, Electrodominance, um, Finale of Promise, I think it is, the red one. The red one, yep. And do things like Balance, Wheel of Fortune, uh, stuff like that. And those are all the uh, Suspend cards that actually have a zero mana cost. Yeah, like the Restore Balance, uh, the Ancestral Visions, those cards. And Wheel of Fate was the big one. Yeah, so. and Wheel of Fate. The idea was to get um, Narset out ahead of Curve and then Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, that seems like that would be okay. Yeah, that was uh, my last one until um, today. Well, this past week or so when I was contemplating this, but I'll go through that uh, a little bit later. Where do you generally start? Well, I and I put a lot of thought into this um, since I kind of came up with the idea or was given the idea, I guess. Um, and there's... In my mind, there's two big ways that like brews like come from in my brain. And it's either like you said, there's like one specific card that I'm like, whoa, uh, by any means necessary, I'm going to make this fucking card work because this is insane. Or the other way is I usually find and this is kind of the way that I am typically coming up with brews. I find a space with like some sort of strategy that I want to do. And the biggest one that I can think of um, right now is was spirits. When shadows of Runestride came out, there wasn't one card in particular that I thought, Oh, this is something I need to make work, but a tribal deck that used like lingering souls and the new spirits that came out at that time. So like selfless spirit, rattle chains, spell queller, mausoleum wanderer, things like that. I, there was this concept in a shell that was kind of just like given to us all at once 
with these spirits. And I thought, oh, there is a deck here somewhere. Now I need to navigate. Yeah, that's kind of the same way. I generally see something and I was like, ooh, I want to make this work. Yeah, it's like a fucking A Beautiful Mind where I'm just sitting there at like a window just like fucking doodling. Uh, fucking, it, but it's not math equations. It's just me like drawing like dicks or something on the window. And then like one dick <laughs> end up looking like a spirit. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's spirits, obviously. That's what it is. The veiny triumphant bastard. <laughs> yeah, big old prick. But <laughs> it, yeah, spirits was like my favorite brew that I had ever come up with. And so like, once you think of that idea, where do you go from that point? I try to see what works. I generally bounce ideas off of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually play it. And in the gameplay, I'm like, okay, well, this is not what I want. I would rather try this. And if I'm split between stuff, when I'm testing and playing the deck, I actually just put a blank card in the deck and i'll play x amount of games and whenever it comes up uh on that blank card i'll either make a note or keep a tally of like in this situation i like this card like the best card in that situation now are you talking about like solitary games just like running through hands by yourself or are you sitting down and actually playing with people? actually playing with people yeah and that's i think that's also a big thing and playing against a variety of decks not just hey i'm gonna play tron 40 times in a row yeah, like your yeah, like your buddy has like if I would sit down and like try to brew a deck with Austin, I'd be playing against Dredge for like fifteen games in a row. You're not going to get an accurate idea of how that deck performs in a grand scheme of things because you're always just going to be worried about like oh how can I deal with our graveyard or how can I deal with them putting this much power and toughness on the battlefield on turn three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or like you said, your example of Tron, like oh once they get to tron like how do i deal with this big fucking planeswalker that they just put on the battlefield you need to be able to contextualize your uh, your new brew in the field that it's going to be playing in so like even and and this is something that we've done in the past where like you either get a piece of paper and cut them up and put them in sleeves and like write like the deck list on them or you print them out or you do whatever uh and just proxy up like a couple decks that are really popular in the meta right right now whether like i said whether that's standard or pioneer or or modern or whatever uh get a good breath of decks that you're going to be facing and that'll give you a better idea of what your deck needs to become a better version of what it currently is yeah exactly and that's a big thing for me too like how you said uh you reach out to people like reach out to your friends um show them what you're what you're working with and then take in whatever their ideas are. And I think that's something that I originally was not very good at. Uh, Cause I think like magic players have this like path that they follow when they start playing magic where it's like, Oh, they know nothing. And then they start learning. And then at a point when they learn, they're just like, Oh, now I know everything about this game. And then slowly they figure out that, Oh no, they're you're stupid. And you move back down the chain of like, oh, I know nothing. And then you move back up and then you fall somewhere in between know nothing and know everything. And then that's where most Magic players end up for the rest of their life. It's also good to talk to people who have experience in the particular format in which you're trying to brew. Yeah, for sure. Because like if you were to ask me about standard, I'd be like, I fucking don't know. Yeah, bro. I don't know. Or even like if I have a if I have an idea for a legacy deck, I'm coming to you for it or not a legacy deck, a vintage deck. I'm coming to you for it. And like yeah. vice versa. If you have an idea for a legacy deck, you're coming to me. But like, if I have an idea for a legacy deck, you're not going to be the first person that I am reaching out to. Yeah. Just cause I don't know. I could, 
I know a decent amount about Legacy, but I don't really play Legacy, so yeah, you I'm don't know the not meta. in the best spot to say, hey, I think this is going to be good. And, I could say that just like in a vacuum, be like, yeah, that card's strong. Yeah, 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 exactly. But like, it, there is that in a vacuum versus the context of the format, like we were talking about before with the inverter combo. Like some of those cards in a vacuum don't are not crazy good, but in the context of the deck, very fucking good. Deck and the format, and in the format context of the format, yeah. They are even better because of where they're positioned. Um, and for everyone, anybody out there, uh, like I don't have very many like dedicated legacy player friends, but I also, but I have people online on Twitter that yeah, I know the interwebs. Legacy. And people on Twitter are fucking awesome. And the especially I can speak for the legacy community. The legacy community online is incredibly healthy and very willing to like bounce ideas off of each other. And people are going to give you their honest opinions on what's going on, but they're not going to be dicks about it. Well, they might be, but those people are dicks and don't talk to them anyway. Yeah. And you can also get ideas for stuff through not, not even human interaction. Uh, you can just go on like goldfish or top eight or something like that, where you just go and look at the meta. And then you, eventually you could probably find somebody who had a similar idea as you, or at least like maybe a similar strategy and see what the top performing decks of that archetype are doing. Cause right now I'm actually looking at uh, a brew uh, of a popper deck that I plan on playing this weekend. And I, the core idea of the deck just came from me just having the cards and knowing that they were all commons, but I wanted to see what this deck could look like. So I jumped on these websites and looked at what other people were playing and like there weren't any crazy high finishes for this deck uh, to make it like top of the meta, but there were some other people playing the strategy and I took some ideas from what they had, especially for like the sideboard. Cause I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. I took ideas from them and adapted them to my list, but then put my own spin on it because I want it to be a more aggressive slanted version of that deck. Yeah. You can tweak other people's ideas too. Like yeah. you just said. Yeah. So like you don't even need to know people who are, well-versed in your your modern for your modern brew that you want or your popper brew that you want you can just go and look at actual data and the like the numbers never lie with stuff like like these are very very complete databases of these formats like if if this if like mtg goldfish says that tron is the top deck in popper you best believe across all of the popper events that are going on, whether it's magic online or paper or whatever, Tron is going to be the most represented deck. Yeah. You're going to see a good amount of Tron. Yeah. So you got, you, you have to, you have to plan for that and you don't you don't need to ask somebody for that. You can just, you, you yourself can go get that data. Yeah. Cause a lot of people will test online before events. Oh, me included. I definitely test on online for event for almost every event that we've played in together. I've done a good bulk of my testing on Magic Online. It's just easier. You don't need other people in the same room as you. Yeah, and it's just so quick and streamlined. It's very true. So, you can be in a league in a matter of minutes. Yeah, fuck yeah. So at this point, you have your deck pretty much uh, figured out. You're like tuning it. You're trying to figure out exactly what goes in what. And maybe you're like you're finalizing your last couple slots in your main board and figuring out exactly what needs to be in that 15-card sideboard. What's going on at that point? Uh, when, when do you feel like a brew is ready for its, its first public appearance? When I'm happy with the 60 main. So that's when you are ready to, to let the, let the training wheels off is when your 60 card main deck is a hundred percent where you want it the, to be. I'm point. solid on it. Yeah. Okay. Cause after that, the sideboard, the sideboard matters, but it doesn't matter for main deck. 
sure. sideboard is for a specific meta or bigger tournament. Okay. I think that that's probably fair. I am a little bit probably behind you as far as that's concerned. My when I am ready to unveil my deck to the to the masses, it's usually around the time where I am like fit like 75% sure on my main deck. Maybe there's like five slots that I'm not a hundred percent on, but I want to take that out, get the training wheels off, and run it in like an F and M or something like that to see where those spots line up for me. Okay, so you take it to a smaller event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to take a deck that I'm not 100% sure with to, like, an SEG Open or a uh, GP or something like that, but I will take it to an FNM or, like, a smaller tournament and see how are my initial ideas shaping up. Yeah, that makes sense. Don't want to waste a lot of money. And yeah, just get or if you are really dropped. looking to, like, hunt for, like, clout, in in winning magic events brewing is probably not the way to do it unless you're a hundred percent sure that your brew is well suited for the format yeah and it's a lot less easy now um with all the online data and stuff as it was um back in the day for example uh when randy bueller came up with the the megram uh what's the artifact five mana sack it every each player draws seven puts sets her hand aside draws seven Memory oh, uh, memory, memory jar. jar. Yeah, the Megram jar. The Megram oh my God, you're jar. talking about magic like 20 years ago. Yeah, well, there wasn't data online. No, yeah, so you just had to like just throw caution to the wind and see what's going on. Yeah, the first um, like ever big tournament that BBD ran, do you know what deck took it down? Oh my God, was it something ridiculous? Red Green Spiders. <laughs> I love that. Because it could stop flyers was the big thing. When magic was like that... Uh... Yeah, spiders will do a thing. Yeah, that was the that was just funny to me. I love that. But yeah, like back then there wasn't really a lot of stuff, and it didn't spread nearly as quick. So say someone took a, a tournament down with Megram Memory Jar, that's not going to spread nearly as fast as it no, does. No, yeah, because you don't have the, you don't have the ways to access it. Like I said, like Goldfish or Top Eight or whatever. Yeah. But then, like like I said, I will take it out to like an F and M or something like that. And that's when, like, the refining process, like, I'm figuring shit out. Like, I'm turning that into a sharpened object. It was a blunt object before, and now it's ready for the kiln and the final firing. Sharpen that blade, son. Hell yeah, baby. And we actually talked about this before the uh, podcast. This is a cute little conversation that uh, leads back to our origin story. So for you out there that uh, haven't gone back and listened to episode one, uh, one, I don't recommend it because I, I haven't listened to it in a very long time. I can assume that's bad. <laughs> drunken, drunken idiocy. Oh, we were sauced up that fucking episode for sure. That was the episode that we learned that we couldn't drink like 10 beers. Like the end of the world. Yeah, <laughs> we couldn't drink like 10 beers and record a podcast. But I, I mean, it's still a good listen. So actually do go back and listen to it because then you can see how much we've grown or how little we've grown. <laughs> or how little, yes. But um. At the, at the next point after that, after you played the deck a couple times, is kind of where I'm at, right? Or where I was at at that point. Um, because at that at the tournament that you and I met at, I was playing a brew. I was playing Esper Spirits. And that was my fucking baby. I had worked like months on that deck. That makes me sad. And at that point... Because it was still really bad. Oh, it wasn't a great deck. And if you want to... <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Well, if you want to go check out this deck, you can actually just search Esper Spirits online. And it's like the 
from 2016, September 11th, 2016. The deck list is actually on MTG Goldfish. So you can see exactly how bad this deck was. Um, but this was a brew I had been working on for a long time because spirits had come out in Shadows Over Innistrad, and I was like, oh, I need to make this a thing. Spirits are fucking sweet. Uh, and then set out on a mission to do that, tested it online, ran it through some FMs, was happy with it, took it to this uh, SEG IQ, um, and ended up making top eight. And Matt also made that top eight, but he was playing a net deck, so he doesn't count. Uh, but like this was the first real uh, showing of this spirits deck to a higher level tournament higher level being like 65 people yeah but i mean that is larger than like a just like your lgs's fnm right generally yes like people were traveling for this event like there are people from not this game store at this i mean you traveled two hours to no i was living in pittsburgh so oh well 45, were 45 kevin minutes kevin traveled to us yeah so, kev traveled yeah so there were people traveling um and that's where like i was like confident in this deck that this deck was the real fucking deal and you take it to this fucking tournament and i mean sometimes you succeed sometimes you don't because there's plenty of times where i've taken brews and have just gotten romp but this one just happened to work out and i ended up making top eight at this event but this deck like looking back on it now this deck was so bad <laughs> it's real bad i mean the shell is there though right and this was before like spirits had the clout that they have now like spirits were not the the commodity that they were or that they are now. Back then, and it was 2016. Spirits had just come out. Like this was months after Spellqueller was released into the wild. My lovely, lovely Spellqueller. So yeah, like it wasn't this was, out for very long. At this yeah, this point. was uncharted territory, and that also is a big plus for brews. Like people just don't know what you're doing. Yeah, when when new sets are coming out. Mm -hmm. Like I played against, I remember specifically in this in this event, I played against uh, Jund, like traditional Jund with like Liliana, ton of removal, Tarmogoyf, stuff like that. And like I was playing this deck, and my opponent was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And like they were firing off like lightning bolts on my creatures, and I was like, Oh, in response, activate Aether Vial, put in Drob Skull Captain. Uh, my creatures hexproof. Uh, your thing doesn't do anything. Yeah, nice, nice spell, idiot. Yeah, or like I would like flash in a rattle chains and make my creature hexproof, or I would have like a spell or a selfless spirit, and my opponent would try to wrath the board, and I'd be like, okay, so sack selfless spirit. Uh, my creatures are indestructible. Like that happened multiple times where just I just got my opponent because I didn't know the cards because I'm playing a brew and off the beaten path deck. Yeah, people don't know really how to play again. Yeah, you can't really have a strategy for something you've never seen. Correct. And then there was also, like, identified some weaknesses in my deck throughout the testing process and put, like, cards on my sideboard to try to make that better. I played against Elves early on in that tournament, and the only way that I could have ever in a million years beaten Elves was the two copies of Zell's Persecution in my sideboard, which is a white and a black. Creatures I control get a plus one, plus one. Creatures my opponent control get a minus one, minus one. So my opponent attacks were lethal in game three and I just fire off Zell's persecution. And in that exact moment, like three of his creatures are dead and the rest of his creatures are neutered. My creatures are beefier. I get to block and then I untap and swing for lethal on the, on the crack back. Like, and you can't play around that not knowing what's going on. Yeah. How do you know that's coming? Yeah, in a million years, my opponent would have never guessed that Zealous Persecution was going to be put on the stack at that point in Resolve, and it just ended the game on the spot. Yeah. 
Nice, and this like, happened to you. One. Well, I got blown out hard by his old persecution. Not in I was this actually, tournament, but it was it was a different. Yeah, it was definitely not this tournament. But uh, <laughs> what there was a modern tournament like at SCG Pittsburgh or not SCG. Uh, it was a GP Pittsburgh. And I was Just watching over your shoulder, yeah. watching you play, and you got wrecked by Zealous Persecution from, at that point, was pretty much a brew. It was the uh, the black-green, or not black-green, uh, black-white Eldrazi deck. No, it was Esper, like, two drops, pretty much. Oh, just like Esper, like, token-y kind of strategy. Yeah. And, like, and that's a perfect uh, analog for the scenario of, I don't know what I'm playing against, so, like, how you can't really plan turns ahead for that. You just get wrecked by cards that you have not seen played in this format in a very long time. Yeah, he had one card in your hand. I just played a Smasher. Or it was either I could path his one Lord and Smash, or I could play two Smashers and pretty much wipe his board. But instead, he zealous persecutioned, trades uh, a nice two two for two. I have nothing on board and a path in my hand. Yeah, so you're just like, oh, well... You just happened to choose the wrong line against the cards that you didn't see coming. Yeah, if I would have known or even had an inkling that that was there, sure shit wouldn't have done that. Yeah, like if that deck that you were playing against was a deck that was at the top of the metagame at that point and you could see the data from it and know that, oh, they do play Zealous Persecution in this deck, maybe I should play around that. There, there's a good chance that you don't make that attack and you don't get blown out. Correct, yeah, but exactly. Because you don't know, you get got. Yep, I got got good. Yeah. And that's fucking, that's the beauty of Bruise, baby. God, that I is love that one shit. of the biggest strengths. So, Bruise, Matt, what's the most exciting brew, or the brew that you are most excited about right now? Well, there's only one currently, and it's in Popper, ironically. I'm trying to make a Pestilence deck that is not just the white-black Pestilence deck. Okay. Current iteration is a mono-black Tron deck playing... Ooh. Pestilence, um, but here's the kicker. There's other color cards in the Tron deck besides that. It's going to be Tron lands and swamps. Playing Pestilence and then like Fan Green Marauders to gain some life and then just have like a 5-5 on the board. Is it good? Probably not. I mean, but that's half the fun. That's half the fun. Trying to it's figure it out. Fingering out. Gotta fucking figure it out, bud. So that's where I'm at. If anyone has any advice, ship it my <laughs> way. I love that. You know who you could call for that? Ghostbusters? I don't don't know. No, Joel Larson! Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't... Callback in comedy. That's what we call a callback. I don't call him. I text him, you idiot. (laughs) You can text Joel Larson. There you go. uh, 1-800-833-LARSON. I hate you. (laughs) Because he's got one of those European numbers, so they're like extra long. (laughs) I don't want to be your friend anymore. That's fair. But I'm currently looking, actually, in my in my hands, physically in my hands. I know, listeners, you can't actually see it. Uh, but I am looking at my current favorite brew, and it is also in the popper format. But it is definitely not mono black or mono mono black Tron. What is it? It is on the creature side of things. It is tribal slivers. See, you told me this before. Slivers is already a deck. But really, it's not. And the Slivers decks that do already exist are all Naya or Four Color. I have foregone the Four Color aspect or the Naya aspect and have just cut like the mana producing Sliver out of it, which is Gemhide Sliver. And I am just going a straight, hyper aggressive 
green white get you dead slivers just turn them turn them sideways yes so like in the same vein as like the other aggressive decks of the format which are obviously the decks that i uh slant towards is the sparse play style um there are a whopping three slivers at common that are sliver lord if you can believe that i can believe that it is sinew sliver which is one in a white all slivers get plus one plus one I bet you I can name the other two. Oh, yeah? Go for it. Muscle Sliver and Predatory Sliver. It is Muscle Sliver and it is Predatory Sliver. And both of them are one in a green and give Slivers plus one plus one. Wrong. The One of them one gives, gives Slivers you control and then one of them blah, 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 blah. You're such a cunt. <laughs> the, the Muscle Sliver gives all Slivers plus one plus one. That is true. So hopefully I do not play the Mirror. But So I have these three Lords and then the rest of my deck is just one drops. Well, you got um, the actual one-drop colorless sliver metallic. I'm, I'm actually not playing that. Um, there's the changeling. I am playing that instead. I'm playing universal automaton. That one. You should do it too, too, split, bud. I mean, yeah, I probably should, but like I had universal automatons from drafting the set a bunch, and I didn't want to buy the slivers. That's fair. Yeah, and then there's also sidewinder sliver, which gives Plus, slivers flanking. Yep, and then plated sliver, I'm guessing. Plated sliver, yes, which gives slivers plus O plus one. Virulent sliver. Virulent sliver, which gives slivers poisonous. That stacks, by the way. It does stack. That is very true. That is something you got to look out for, boys. And then I am also playing some other two drops. I am playing a singleton copy of Sentinel sliver. Vigilance. Which gives slivers vigilance. One in a white. Yes, it is one in a white. Yep. And then I am also playing Stranded Bearer. Oh, this is the flag bearer. Yes, it is a not a sliver. It's the only non-sliver creature in the deck. Not true. The automaton is also also not a sliver. Oh, it's a sliver. It's a flag bearer, too. Yeah, but it's also a sliver. Correct, but it is also not a sliver. Yes, but it also is a sliver. Yes, but it's also not a sliver. So it's not correct saying that it's not it's a non-sliver, because it is. Unless they come up with a creature type non-sliver. Boom, every creature type. <laughs> every creature is a not-sliver. <laughs> Coming in Zendikar 3. Yeah. A one in a white enchantment. All creatures aren't slivers. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I love that. Yeah, but it is a one in a white for a one one and says if an opponent plays a spell or ability that targets a flag bearer in no, play. That could, that could target a flag bearer. Or that could target it, you. It, it has must to target. target. Just so you guys know, I'm not looking at a no, deck list just or anything. Insulation. And yeah. then I'm also playing like Winding Winds to go find more. I'm playing two copies of Lead the Stampede to go find more slivers. And the only other non uh, land card in the deck is three copies of Journey to Nowhere because removal is okay. You got to have some form of interaction besides kill them dead. Yeah. And that's the reason why those are there. Uh, but the whole entire core strategy of the deck is just like get them dead. Yeah. And generally, uh, the slivers are always going to be bigger than um the other creatures in popper just because you have so many lords yeah at two drop at the two drop slot well i have 12 of them and that's exactly, just like yeah. insane like that's an insane number especially for popper like there's not even that many lords in modern spirits or pioneer spirit yeah i don't they what do they have two lords they have two lords they have draw skull captain and then uh supreme phantom i guess they also have the uh uh imperial eagle so the modern yeah, spirits the... list does have three but I, I don't, in Modern Spirits, because I have been keeping up with the deck, I would not play Imperial Eagle unless the deck is in a really bad spot and just needs to get really aggressive. 
but at that point thick boys i think i'm just like not playing the deck instead of playing eagle yeah that makes sense yeah because it's also a three drop and like the three drop slots already kind of clunky because you're playing four captains and uh four spell quillers and you don't want to play a bunch of three drops in an aggro deck also true well matt any more thoughts you have on uh brewskis no i think we we got everything i think that's a productive conversation this might be the most uh helpful podcast we've ever recorded probably i mean I as far as think of a different goes, one we do a shitload so i think some knowledge comes from experience as far as that concerned um but if you have any further uh brewing experience why don't you just shoot us up a uh a tweet over at fetch underscore shock on the twitter how about that for a sneaky little plug there little little plug action little pluggy action you son of a bitch I am. So before we move into our game, there's actually, speaking of our Twitter, uh, our last last week's question of the week, I was very amused. And it had to do with our uh, our good friend, Corey, which, Corey, again, thank you for coming. We'll see you again soon. Hopefully never. Also, yeah, also, fuck you, nerd. But... <laughs> you goddamn um, D-Gen. Our question of the week had to do with the card that he... One of the cards that he got in Accumulated Knowledge. Matt, do you remember the name of that card? I do not. I can't think of it. Oh, boy. Do you remember the mana cost of the card? Uh, Three green, green, white, I think. Or three white, white, green. One of the two. Was it that much? Yeah, it was a, it's a 5-5, five, five, dude. 5-5 <laughs> vanilla. The card's actual name was Uncle Rico. Yes. <laughs> it should be. Yeah, we we there was a card last week on Accumulated Knowledge that uh, was a doozy of a card. So our question was, who is this card and what does he do? And we had some fucking very good responses. Matt himself, obviously. Uncle Rico from fucking Napoleon uh, Dynamite. Dynamite. That, that, was, that one fucking made me actually laugh. That one made me out loud laugh. That's because it's Uncle Rico, dude. It's, it's the mustache, man. It is the mustache, it's man. The pencil mustache. And just the overall ridiculous nature of him. He can throw a football over a mountain, bud. It's those mountains behind him, actually, in the art. <laughs> yeah. He can throw a football right over top of those motherfuckers. Hell yeah, he could. Well, and also, we got some other good responses. Um, friend of the podcast, Jeremy, um, he said uh, that it's the dude that you buy uh, holopterous lemurs from. He does look like a sketchy weirdo. He does look like, would be selling like this. in, like, some back alley somewhere. He's like, instead of selling you fake Rolexes, he sells you these little ghostly lemurs exotic animal yes he's like your exotic pet you're like cobra that they can only find in like the back like the the deep deep woods of the amazon he has them he has like 13 of them you can buy him from. he got them on stock yeah but he <laughs> he said holoptuous lemurs i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right but i'm i'm sure it's like close but when i looked up that card because i genuinely had no idea what it was found out it's a spirit and i highly recommend everybody listening to go look up this card it is, by a significant margin, the cutest magic card I've ever seen. The cutest. Yeah, and it's a black card. Yeah, it's uh, that's what you get in old sets. You get fucky cards, man. You get cute little... And also, it's a spirit, which one, why? Two, uh, why? <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's a it is now. It's a lemur. Summon lemur. No, but the errata text of it is a spirit. Yes, I see. It's going to be a lemur forever. <laughs> so petition to wizards to make this card Holapterous Lemur 
an actual lemur instead of just a... This is legal and popper if you folks want to brew around it. Have you considered brewing with this card? A Colopsius lemur's great again. <laughs> I love it. And then also our good friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Beef, Dave Morris, uh, he gave a very, very descript uh, depiction of this, this uh, wild-looking motherfucker. And he actually gave even the power and toughness and the mana cost of this guy, which he was wrong on both accounts. But that doesn't change the fact that this is a fucking awesome. Yeah, he went deep on it. Yeah, he said it's it's obviously uh, Sir Ming the Merciless, a 3-3 for two red and a black. And he says when he attacks, you may gain control of a creature and opponent controls that has power less than two. That's not the good part of it. Oh, what's the good part? Uh, the the uh, what's his name? Uh, Flash Gordon reference. <laughs> Flash Gordon reference. It's Sir Flash Gordon, bud. It is Sir Flash Gordon of Flash. Uh, Defender of the Universe. Oh, <laughs> that is the best. so fuck yeah! Thank you everybody for uh, except for Matt. Fuck you, Matt. Uh, I think I won that for sure. Um, I don't know. Jeremy, uh, just showing me a new spirit that I didn't know about is. Maybe one of the greatest things, because I'm a I'm a slut for spirits, bud. That you are. I'll give you that. So fuck yeah! Thank you for everybody who uh, answered answered our call for figuring out who the fuck uh, this guy is, because we had no idea. Corey certainly didn't. I would never have gotten this. Yeah, and keep an eye out for uh, the question of the week this week. Uh, you'll see it on Twitter at fetch underscore shock. Another shameless plug there for you. All right, Matt. There's only one thing left to do, bud. Is it the game? Oh my god, you are so smart. I'm good. I'm real good. At this game or or uh, making the segue to it? Life. Oh, you think you're fucking slick, bud. I'm sure. going to be the slick one this week because you're the one asking me the uh, the cards and there's no way that I'm ever going to get any of these. I'm 100% going to get all of them. Well, let's figure it out. I'll bring it up as you start to explain the game. Hell yeah. So uh, if you are unfamiliar... Every week, we play a little game called Accumulated Knowledge. And in Accumulated Knowledge, what happens is one of us asks the other the name of a card randomly generated from the Scryfall website. The other person has to give the or the mana cost of the card. If they get it right, they get a point. And if not, they have to uh, they have to play uh, mono white in whatever format they prefer. <laughs> No. Yeah, nope. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Wrong. Yeah, because so I'm going to lose, and then I, oh my god, I have to play Mono White. Oh no. Oh no. What a travesty. Shit. <laughs> the worst. All right, well, and Matt, well, how many hints do I get? Two. Okay, two hints. I'm into that. You've been demoted. You got three the last time you did it. That's not true. I only got two. No, you got three. Or only needed two. How do you even know? This was like a hundred fucking years ago. I don't. <laughs> All right, are you ready for numero uno? Let it rip! Glare of Heresy. Oh my god, Glare of Heresy sounds 100% like a recent card. It sounds red. This has to be something that came out recently, right? I don't know. Do you want a hint? Oh no. Oh, this card sounds like I should know about it. Maybe not red, but black? Oh boy, I don't know. I think I'm gonna... Oh, because I feel like I know this card. Fuck. Um, I'm gonna take a hint. What you want? Give me the text of the Exile target white permanent. You said target white permanent? Exile target white permanent. This is my favorite type of card. 
I should know this card because it's like the antithesis. It was 1,000% in a set that I played. I want to say it's like a, it has to be like an uncommon. I'm going to need an answer here, bud. You're waffling. I am waffling because I'm trying to fucking think of it. Oh, I definitely played this card. Fuck. Fuck. Oh, no. It's like one in a, it's a black card. I think. Is it like one in a black? Like for like a sorcery spell? I know that doesn't actually matter, but I, it's one in a black for a sorcery. One in a black. Use. That's my final answer. You would be incorrect, Sunshine. Fuck! This is one in a white. What? And it's from Theros. Oh my god, I should have got this card! 100%. That's what I saw, and I was like, shit. Oh my god, why does this card exile a white permanent? What the fuck kind of blasphemy? The best kind of blasphemy. That is so fucked up! I just got betrayed by a white card that exiles a white card? Are you fucking kidding me? You did. Hardcore. Wow, that is nerd. not a good omen. Fuck. Oh, god damn it. Taste it, nerd. Oh, that feels so goddamn bad. Yep. Fuck. And you wasted a hint. Oh, no. This is the worst start ever. Fuck. Yeah, that that's pretty bad for you. I'm not... Wow, this is an all-time low for me in accumulated knowledge. I missed a white card from my one of my favorite sets of all time. And it destroys a white permanent, and I lost a hint. Fuck! You probably just blocked this out of your mind. Honestly, yeah, this is, this is just a classic uh, coping, me- coping mechanism of just me wanting to forget this card exists because, one, it's awful. What's the rarity of it? Uncommon. Oh, so I was at least right with that. I just wanted to block this card out of my mind because I wanted to forget it. That makes sense. Are you ready, numero dos? Not really. I'm still fucking lamenting on that last one, but yeah, give it to me. This is Heart Piercer Manicore. Heart Piercer Manicore? Oh, I think I know this one for sure. This is from, um, oh, what the fuck is the set? Oh, no. Maybe I don't know it. Oh, do I use another hint? No, in your luck, you're going to get three waffles after it, so. No, this is a fucking, oh, no, it's a rare, though. Oh, my God. I'm going to give you a free hint here, bud. Lay it on it, me. It's a mana core. Oh, my God. Is that really a hint you just gave me? Yes. Oh, no. It's from a fucking set that we played, too. Oh, it's from a set that we played in the fucking annual. Oh, because it's the one that fucking... Oh, no. It's the one that has a removal spell deal tacked to it, doesn't it? Does it? Yeah, it definitely does. Unless I'm thinking an- of like a completely different card. I'll give you another hint. It does not gain 20 life. Oh, it does not. No, it does not. Okay, that helps a lot then. That's definitely not a removal spell. Oh, this is the one. I Because lo- I fucking lost a game to this card, and it's the only game that I lost in the fucking draft from two annuals ago. And I know I 3-0'd that draft, but I can't remember what fucking... Oh, it was fucking Amoncat. Almoncat. Ding, ding, motherfucker. Yeah, there we go. Now it's starting to catch up to me, because in that draft, I had fucking... I had uh, the 6-6 that you can not escape, but do the thing that it does for six mana. Or for the for the exact same mana cost. This That that particular... It was a rare. I had that, and I had, like, one other unbeatable... Oh, I had fucking Stormbreath Dragon. Not Stormbreath Dragon, but... uh. The red one. I don't want to hear about your fucking draft deck. What is it? Listen, I'm trying to put this shit together. Um, but I lost to this card because it fucking killed my guy. Um, it's a fucking. Oh, it's a red card for sure. Because I think I lost to Ben playing red white. It's a fucking three and a red. 
No, it's not. It's got two red in the mana cost. It's two and a red. Two and a red. I don't think that's... Yeah, yeah, two and a red. Two and a red is your final answer. Yeah. That is incorrect. God damn it. It is two red red. Fuck! But yeah, when it enters the battlefield, you may sack another creature. When you do, Heartpiercer Manicore deals damage to that creature's power to target creature or player. And it embalms for five and a red. Yeah, this card fucking killed me good. And it's a four three. Embalm is the fuck. This card was actually pretty shitty limited. I think you just take it just because it's a fucking four three and does a thing. Yeah, that's not the worst. No, I lost to this card because I was just playing against like a mono aggressive deck and just got way underneath me. And this card just like made sure that happened. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, fuck yeah. God damn it. Well, this is not going great for me. Um, You should get this next one. Uh, Death Baron. Ooh, Death Baron. That's the black guy. What gave it away? Uh, the the Death Baron part. That's the zombie slash like skeleton lord. It's one black black. It is one black black. Yeah. This one. This was a. Uh, I told you you're gonna get fucking softball question or cards after this. Hey yo. So one black black for a zombie wizard. A two two skeleton creatures you control and other zombie creature you control get plus one plus one and have death touch. Oh, they get Death Touch, too? That card's... This it's is from, from, like, M19 or something, right? It is from 19, but it's also from uh, Shards of Alara. Ah. Thank you, Commander. Thank you, my thank you, my friend Mikey, who plays uh, zombies in Command. Ah, <sighs> fuck you. Overbeing of Myth. Overbeing of Myth. Oh, I should know this one, shouldn't I? You fucking should. Is this... This is the one that's in Crufix. Yep. Simic Hybrid, uh... Like five Simic hybrid. You mean hybrid, 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 hybrid. Yeah, yeah. There are five hybrid Simic man. Yes. Yeah, that's what I said. I knew you were. I'm not even asking if that was your final answer. Yeah, yeah. I 100% played that card. Yeah. It uh, gives blue creatures uh, plus one, plus one, and green creatures a plus one, plus one, and then creatures on tap. Nope, that's definitely the wrong Simic card you're thinking of. Uh, oh, no, one. that's the two, two and three Simic hybrid. This one is the one that uh, power toughness is equal to your cards in your hand and then you draw a card at your ups or and you draw a card at your draw step upkeep yeah. draw step no draw, draw step. step yep christ oh do i, I get another you. good one ronus's monument god damn it ronus's monument what i tell you two difficult ones yeah ronus ronus's monument ronus's monument ronus is the green guy right i don't know do you want to use a hint you can't i can't i don't have one but it's i mean all of the monuments are three colorless but it ronus is the green one and this one is the one that Obviously, it makes. I was wondering because of the text. It makes green creatures last because Ronus is the green one, and the green one gives plus one plus one in trample. What's no. the mana cost here, bud? It's three colorless. It yeah. gives plus okay, two plus two in trample. <laughs> yeah. Well, fuck off. What is that? Did I, get, did I get the text right though? Yeah. Well, whenever you cast a creature, target creature gets plus two plus two oh, and so trample. You cast a creature and then something else gets the thing. Yeah. You just turn shit sideways. Weird in the green. And green. Wow. So who's your shout out there, bub? That feels really good. Can we just relish in the fact that I just I screwed myself on the first two of cards I knew and then just got fucking totally unpunished? And then came back. Yeah. You never get punished. Comeback get... of the century. Comeback of the year for sure. I mean so far, yeah. I love I kinda Okay, so my shout out this year or this this year, this week, um, is actually I I want it to be a competitor in the world championships this weekend. And this is a motherfucker that we talked about before the podcast started. Uh, 
Joel Larson. It's Joel Larson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that'd been so funny if it was, but it's not. Uh, it's actually it's gonna be Seth Manfield. Okay, I don't think we did him yet. So no, we definitely have not. And shout out to fucking Seth. First of all, he's a Baltimore boy, so gotta love that. And two, I'm I'm kind of rooting for him. I love when he fucking wins events, just because like East Coast guy, in like such a fucking nice human being, and he's like he's. He's playing mono red, so he's just turning creature sideways. So I cannot complain about that in the slightest. Plus, he's a very fucking good player. Oh my god, yeah, is he a fucking wildly good? Player? And the the thing that put this in my head is before uh, we actually started recording for the week, uh, we were looking at his Twitter and his most recent tweet. It might not be the most recent tweet uh, by the time you're listening to this, but if you look back far enough, there's a tweet uh, of him saying that he just finished his draft. And he took a selfie, and it is by far the worst selfie I've ever taken. Like, Seth, one of the best Magic players ever. Not particularly skilled at taking selfies. It is the blurriest photograph I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, not a bad photo, as in he's like an ugly dude, but he just sucks at taking pictures. Yeah, no, he's just bad at taking the photograph. He's not bad at being in them, he's bad at taking them. When they're himself. Yeah, fucking incredible. But yeah, he's, he's fucking awesome. And I love his play style and I love watching him play. And uh, I'm cheering for him this weekend. Uh, if the finals is him and Manguchi, I don't know who I'll cheer for. But uh, if either one of those two human beings are in the finals, you know where my money is at. So if you're looking to follow Mr. Manfield on the Twitter, uh, you can follow him at, at Seth Manfield. And he also streams uh, twitch.tv slash uh, Seth Manfield MTG. So good Streams a good out. bit, yeah. And he wrote a very good article uh, about his deck that he's playing at uh, the World Championships. And the article that he wrote, which is like an all-time cocky move, and I love it. The article that he wrote about like what he thinks is going to be happening at the World Championships, the deck that he posted is like three cards away from the actual deck that he's Called shot. Yeah, so he's just like, this is what I'm playing, deal with it. So I 100% want to see him just take it out. And so he'd just be like, you guys knew what I was playing. You still couldn't deal with me. You fucking cowards. Get fucked. Although he would actually never do that. But yeah. No, he would never do that because he's too nice of a guy. But if I am in his position, that's what I'm saying because I'm a bad person. Yes. That is (laughs) a true fact. Uh Uh-huh. Nothing but facts, right? Tell the people where they can find us. Well, if you want to look for the Fetch and Shock on the Twitter, you can find us at Fetch underscore Shock. Like we've only said that about 30 times this episode. If you're looking for me specifically on Twitter, you can find me at basic land bin and you can find Matt at it's bot. Simple enough. It is really that easy. So go give us a follow. Um, you'll be able to find our question of the week on our Twitter uh, tomorrow or right now when you're listening to this, cause it'll be up cause I post it right after I publish the episode. So uh, yeah, go check that out. Go answer our question of the week. We love hearing from you guys and we love seeing, uh, what people think about the uh, the dumb questions that we post. So yeah, yeah, let us know. All right, dude. Uh, All right. I will hopefully never talk to you again, but probably tomorrow. Time. I would presume tomorrow, and at very least next week. Yes. All right. Well, there's only one more thing to say, dude. Peace. Happy Valentine's Day, nerds! Show the people who you love. Bye. <laughs>